Today is Monday, October 16th, 2023. Welcome to the program. On the show today, rent in Canada is up, but housing prices are down. We're going to look at those stories. Plus, we'll look at what Canada's parliamentary budget office has to say about our economy. Also, the latest U.S. inflation numbers are out. We'll look at those. Microsoft had a $100 billion week. U.S. bank earnings reports look good. GM ratifies a contract. And one of the U.S.'s largest drugstores files for bankruptcy. Let's get started with today's news. According to a recent report from Rentals.ca, Canada's rental crisis is getting worse. The report says that the average asking price for rent in September was $2,149, and this is up 11% compared with a year ago. If you live in Toronto, you're renting in one of the most expensive real estate markets, obviously, in the country. The average rent for a one-bedroom property there now stands at $2,614. Now, the only sliver of good news is that the average price of rent actually dropped by 0.2% when you compare that to the numbers in August. But when you look at a one-year number, rents have actually increased by 4.9%. Now, if you think you have it bad in Toronto, uh, it's even worse actually in Vancouver. A one-bedroom apartment today costs almost $3,000 a month on average, and that's up 10% from a year ago. Uh, If you need a little more space and you want a two-bedroom unit, that's going to run you around $4,000 a month. Uh, The report also saw, interestingly, a 27% increase in people who are choosing to live with others um, to help manage their rent payments. Uh, An average roommate, therefore, in Toronto is paying $1,300 a month, and in Vancouver, that's up to $1,500 a month. Perhaps a bit surprisingly, I know it was to me, the third highest provincial average in Canada falls to Nova Scotia. The average rent there is $2,088 last month. Now, this increase is driven mostly because uh, people tend to move to comparatively uh, more affordable uh, locations. And of course, when that happens en masse, that's going to drive up the demand. It'll also drive up prices in those areas. I'm not sure if you'd really call this a silver lining necessarily, but the Canadian Real Estate Association reported that the home price index in Canada was $753,900 in September, and that is a 0.3% decrease um, over the August numbers. And this is also now the first decrease that we've seen since March. On a national basis, the average selling price in September was $655,507, which is an increase of 2.5% from last year. Uh, The association does note that these prices are skewed primarily because of the expensive markets in both Toronto uh, and Vancouver. When we look at it from a sales volume perspective, home resales uh, fell 1.9% in September when you compare that to August, uh, with most of this coming from, again, those Vancouver and Toronto markets. The association now projects a 10% drop in sales when you compare it with uh, last year. Another notable item from the report is the increase in the number of homes that are being sold because property has been repossessed. Uh, And in Toronto, for example, that number was almost double uh, from a year ago coming in in this report uh, at 70 units. I posted a video over the weekend talking about a few things that I see out there in the markets that are making me think uh, that the markets might be a little bit over overvalued right now. And uh, I do actually plan to make some changes uh, in my own portfolio to hedge that downside risk. Um, if you're interested in knowing what I do, if you're on the Blossom app, my username is Mark B, so M-A-R-C-B. Um, if you're not on the Blossom app, go ahead and download the app. You can sign up there and you can follow me there. Canada's parliamentary budget office has released its latest economic and fiscal outlook. The major takeaway is that higher interest rates are going to lead the economy into be uh, to be stagnant uh, in the second half of this year. Uh, the report also says we can expect consumer spending to remain weak for the balance of the year uh, and through the first half of 2024. 
It also notes the federal deficit is projected to grow to $46.5 billion. Uh, that is $6 billion more than what the federal budget had projected back in March. The budget office expects the debt to GDP ratio to jump to 42.6% uh, this fiscal year. Then that ratio is expected to gradually fall to 37.8% by the 28-29 fiscal year. This is assuming there's no new measures uh, and it is still above the pre-pandemic level of 31.2% uh, of GDP back in the 2019-2020 uh, fiscal year. The main culprit of these higher numbers is of course higher interest rates and this is raising the cost of debt uh, for the federal government. A Bank of Montreal research report notes said that if interest rates settle in at this higher level than they were before the pandemic, it could add um, an additional $10 billion uh, in our deficit down the road. And also economists at Desjardins, they've said that these higher interest rates could add about $5 billion a year to the federal deficit. The consumer price index in the U.S. was up 3.7% year over year in September, and that is actually unchanged from the month of August. Month over month, though, the inflation rate rose 0.4%. Uh, core inflation, which excludes food and energy, uh, that was up 4.1% year over year in September, and that actually is a decrease from the 4.3% we saw last month. Some of the more noteworthy specifics of this report are that food prices are up 3.7% year over year. Uh, rent saw an increase of 7.15%. Energy prices actually were down 0.45%. And it will be very interesting to see how Canada's numbers compare when they're announced uh, tomorrow. The latest numbers do show how little uh, progress, I, I would say, is being made in this journey that the U.S. Fed is on to take inflation back to its 2% um, target level. The most recent projections are 90% that the Fed will actually leave its benchmark rate uh, unchanged when it uh, makes its next announcement on November 1st. And there's a 10% probability of a 25-point basis hike. It's been quite a week for Microsoft with approximately $100 billion worth of financial activity out there. Some of it's good, uh, some of it bad. First off, they completed the deal to buy Activision Blizzard that's been going on for so long now. Uh, that had a price tag of $69 billion. Um, I'll put that into the good cap. But on a less positive note, the IRS um, has notified that they uh, claim that Microsoft owes $28.9 billion in back taxes plus penalties and plus interest. And this number comes from a probe that the IRS has had going uh, for the sales practices at Microsoft that they used during the years of 2004 through to 2013. The practice, which is known as, as transfer pricing, it's when companies minimize tax burden by reporting lower profits in countries that have a higher tax rate and conversely, uh, a higher profits in, in jurisdictions with lower tax rates. Um, the current audit began back in 2007 and the IRS has recently given notice that the audit has ended. Uh, Microsoft, as you might imagine, they've countered. They say that the practices they used um, were not unusual. They did everything that they were entitled to. The company also says that it followed IRS rules and it will appeal the decision. And that process itself is expected to take several more years. Generally speaking, the first round of earnings reports from the U.S. banks were pretty good with everybody that reported last week beating the street estimates. J.P. Morgan Chase announced earnings per share of $4.33, and that's up from $3.12 a year ago. Revenue jumped 22% to $39.87 billion. That's above the street's estimate of $39.4 billion. Citigroup reported its third quarter earnings as well in an EPS of $1.52 per share, up from $1.50 a year earlier. They announced revenue for the quarter of $20.14 billion, and that compares with $18.5 billion 
a year ago. Wells Fargo reported Q3 earnings of $1.48 per diluted share, up from $0.86 a year earlier. They also recorded a revenue from the quarter of $20.86 billion, up from $19.57 billion a year ago. And finally, in the financial space, BlackRock reported Q3 adjusted earnings of $10.91 per diluted share, up from $9.55 a year earlier. Revenue from the quarter was $4.52 billion, up from $4.31 billion a year ago. The company also said that its Q3 assets under management increased 14% from a year earlier to just over $9.1 trillion. Unifor, which is the union that represents Canadian auto workers, they say that workers at GM have agreed to a three-year collective agreement. They ratified the deal with an 80% vote. And this is noticeably more decisive than the Ford vote, which was ratified with only 54% of its union members. Um, the new contract sees a wage increase of almost 20% for production workers and 25% for skilled trade workers. It will also see workers top out at the, at the, on the wage tier uh, more quickly. It shows improvements to pensions as well as two new paid holidays. One of America's largest pharmacy chains, Rite Aid, has filed for bankruptcy on Sunday. The company has about $3.4 billion that it says it's going to use to fund its operations, expects to continue to operate while they go through the bankruptcy process. Um, Rite Aid has more than 45,000 employees and it uh, states that deteriorating sales in recent years as well as uh, being unable to effectively compete against companies like CVS and Walgreens has led to these financial woes. Uh, according to the company filings, as of June, it had $3.3 billion in debt and also noted that um, looming over the company is, of course, the pending opioid litigation. Like many of its competitors, Rite Aid has closed a number of stores in recent months. It also has announced plans to close hundreds more um, over the next while. The stock has fallen nearly 80% uh, since the start of this year. Coming up later this week, tomorrow, Tuesday, Canada's Consumer Price Index will be announced. We also have a lot of earnings this week, uh, more from the financial sector. We have Bank of America, we have Goldman Sachs, Johnson & Johnson will report, as well uh, will uh, Lockheed Martin. On Wednesday, we have reports uh, from Procter & Gamble, Morgan Stanley, Netflix, and Tesla will uh, announce as well. Thursday, we have the U.S. leading indicators for September coming out, uh, reports from Union Pacific and CSX. And on Friday, we have reports from American Express um, and Schlumberger. As always, uh, I will put a link for our Investing Academy uh, in the description of this video. I thank you for watching the video, and we'll see you in a couple of days.